Talking about what's new with Los Angeles Clippers There's always so much to discuss Let's jump right in It's LA Clips Forum It's LA Clips Forum With Jesse and Brian Welcome to the LA Clips Forum I don't know why, that just seemed like I rushed that Welcome to the LA Clips Forum My name is Brian Andrew Jesse is still out he should be back soon, though. But I got two wonderful guests. Introducing first, friend of the pod, always on the Twitter spaces, Damo. How you doing? I'm good. Good. And yourself? Thanks for having me on. Of course. Of course. Uh, you are currently doing well in our WNBA league. Uh, I might get eliminated from playoff <laughs> contention this week. Uh, and uh, so far... We haven't simulated your uh, all-time Clippers draft team yet because Jesse's been out. Right. But uh, you're in a very competitive division <laughs> that's going to be coming up. So once we get the simulation done, but your your team did pretty good because, like, in the polls, I believe, you were very close to Clipper Spencer. Yeah, it was, like, almost neck and neck, and then he kind of took off on me. Yeah, so you had one of the better teams. Uh, the other guests – Drop some new merch this week. Jake Barnes, how you doing? Yo, I'm here. What up? Uh, Brian, always love being on here. Um, it's been a crazy, like, two days in the NBA. So, like, yeah. since last night, it's been wild. So, I'm, I'm excited to be here. So, usually the Clippers give us some content. But yes. this week, on Twitter, Got I, believe it was, I think it was last Sunday. Yeah. Jake Barnes said, next time I'm on the LA Clips Forum, I got a hot take. I'm yeah, paraphrasing. Man. I'm not quoting yeah. the tweet. Yeah, man. And so I figured, you know, I have a tiny agenda for this for this episode, but if your hot take just throws us off and we're, we talk about it for an hour and a half, then it is All what right. it is. All so right, I cool. figured I'd give you the floor. All right. So um, obviously when I wrote this, I was intoxicated. I was at Summer League. Okay. I was, and, you know, I, I basically wound up like the whole night. I wound it up with highlights of like the last 15 years of NBA champions. And yeah. to see us have the success that we've had in the past 10 years and not win a title, like, is just, like, super, like, I don't even know how to put it. It's just, it, it gets OD at times because we're just kind of, like, sitting there like, bro, we have, like, a 50, or maybe, like, a 60% win percentage in the last 10 years. Well, are we one of the top five franchises? with? And uh, out of those top five, we the, the only, one. only one with no title. Yeah. And we can label it to like mismanagement. We can label it to our coaching. We can label it to our star players not getting it done. But the fact that Toronto got it done with a rental in that one year. Yeah. <laughs> but besides the point. <laughs> right. So I was super drunk watching watching YouTube and stuff. And, and um, I, I got a couple hot takes. So my first one would be Norm Powell. Um, now with all like the. And right, like, of course, this is me talking as a fan. I want to put that out there, right? Like, you know, I'm a fan of the team. So as a fan speaking, like, when it comes to Norm and the minutes and the allocation of the minutes, and, yeah, he has offensive versatility. He's a combo guard, bigger guard. Um, you know, fans need to stop acting like he's a defensive stopper. You know, he's really not. Yeah, um, yeah that's like for, first and foremost. So when he we, when he plays on the floor, it's most likely to score. It's not really to like, you know, go out and put him on any, you know, lead guard or combo guard or anything like that. Way short now. Yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean, you already know, like, 
we've seen it time and time again. Uh, now people need to keep their you know expectations realistic when it comes to him. Like he's not going to come in and be an 18 point per game scorer, especially with the minutes allocated. But with that being said, I you know at the time that we did the trade for for Bledsoe for for Norman Rocco, I was like hell yeah, this is a home run. Yeah. And as the time progressed, you know I I see Rocco. Obviously, we keep Rocco. Like even just Bledsoe for Rocco would have been. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it helps us out in the long term, but with Norm, it's kind of like, you know, we, to be fair, we didn't see him really play. Um, you know, this whole last year, like he played what, like five, six games. Yeah. But but I think the main thing here is that like we're taking away minutes from a guy that's like 24, 25, and I'm talking about Luke. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I I think that his minutes are like really valuable. And with the confidence that he gained this whole past year, I mean, he played real minutes all year. Um, I feel like there's not really a need for Norm. You know, yeah, we could say shot creation, off the dribble scoring, three-point shooting. Yeah, I I get it. But, like, I mean, if we're really banking on the stars to take us all the way this year, you know, like, I just don't see the need for Norm, especially at the money. And we could put allocate the money to something that we would really need. because what I mean, this is going to get into my other point. Because whether we like it or not, like if we don't win this year with the depth that we have, like we're going to go chase a third star. There is no like, you know, yeah. we 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 tried the whole like one through twelve thing, the all hands, all in, whatever, blah blah blah. Like we're at the point now where it's like, well, if we don't get it done this year, or even make a finals berth this year, like for some fans, they would even say Western Conference Finals. You know, like a deep Western Conference Finals run. Like that's where that's where I'm kind of on. Like we would have yeah. to lose game six, seven of the WCF. Yeah. Um. The organization. I mean, what I would think. I mean, they're an aggressive organization, so they're not going to stand pat. You yeah. know, like I would, I would immediately think, okay, we're packaging guys, and we're going to go get a third star. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree. Like when when we when we got the norm acquisition, like I was like, all right, cool, we got norm. And then once I seen him play. To me, like Norm's biggest strength was one of our weaknesses was putting pressure on the rim. Um, Norm is really, really good when he when he came with us, um, driving to the lane, putting pressure on the rim, getting to the rim, getting to the foul line. You know, he was scoring efficiently before he got hurt. So that was a big thing that we needed for that team without Paul and Kawhi um, for the season. But like you said, man, like we we have so many young guys, like we really don't need Norm, like. The emergence of Amir Coffee, like we've seen it this past season, like Brandon Boston Jr. eventually will be a starter on this team. I don't know when, I don't know who he's starting over, but eventually one day in the future, like three, four years from now, he's going to be a starter on this team. Um, I could just feel it. Um, he's that talented. And I, I don't know, man, like Norm would be a good package piece if they was to make any type of consolidation trade. Um as far as him being like a, a 20 or 18 point game scorer, like if he's being efficient, I could possibly see him. But we, we, I think Luke would be a more like a beneficial factor, like you said, because of the gravity Kawhi PG would bring, um, the pressure that Reggie and John Wall could do as far as like penetrating, um, and finding an open shooter. So I don't know, man. Um, I like Norm. I hope he, you know, like, can help us win the chip, but he could be moved if needs to. I, 
so when the trade was made, I think there's a lot of context we need to to throw out there when the trade was made too. Was we were without Paul George and we were without Kawhi at the time, and we were thinking, well, if we could get Paul George back at least, and what should say Kawhi doesn't, at least Paul George will have some help because yeah. that's what we all felt like. We were like, you know, Reggie's carrying a lot of the weight, Morris is carrying a lot of the weight. And if we could just add Norman to that mix, that should help us a lot to at least get to a point where we, we have a more solidified seventh seed or maybe we even can make a jump to the sixth seed at that point. Like at that point, it was probably a lost cause, but we, we could still hope. And then Norman would help that out. Then Norman basically shows up for half a week and gets hurt. And then now we're without all three. And it was like, all right, so and now Norman Powell's going to basically be coming back when we have Kawhi and Paul George back. Now we're trying to figure out where does he fit? Is he a six man? Is he a starting point guard? He's obviously not going to be a starting point guard anymore because we have John Wall. Like it's going to either be Reggie or John Wall. So I think this already solidifies that Norman Powell is probably coming off the bench unless Kawhi Leonard is going to play the four. But we already have three quality fours. It's not like Kawhi needs to go down there and bump around with bigger people because we have quality fours. So to be honest, to maybe Jake's point, is we ha- we also have a loaded second unit of guards and wings and people who could play the one and the two, yep. especially if John Wall, especially if um, Reggie Jackson's in the second unit. So if there is so to Jake's point, when people think of consolidation trades, they're thinking Luke Kennard, Marcus Morris. Maybe it is Norman Powell. My the thing that I feel like Norman adds to the team, which I felt like we needed, especially after losing Lou Will, was just someone who could get on the court and score. And I felt like we really needed that in our Western Conference finals run to kind of support Paul George. Reggie Jackson fulfilled that role really well. It's just well, as I was watching, I just didn't trust that like Reggie Jackson was going to keep it going, which he did, which was which was great. Uh, Reggie Jackson also carried this team last year, so yeah, like we've yet to see Norman Powell fit, and maybe he is just a fifteen point scorer off the bench, and but he destroys second units. Maybe he wins six man of the year, but I could see I could see where you're getting at, Jake. Yeah, it's just and, a, it kind of doesn't fit. And to your credit as well, Lee, going back to the Western Conference Finals, like you need you need two guys, you know, like you need two guys to carry the load. And that was clearly PG and Reggie. Some mm-hmm. a couple nights it was PG and Mook, you know what I'm saying? But that, that was a weakness of ours is we go through scoring droughts. Like that's one of our weaknesses as far as rebounding is scoring droughts. And that's something that Norm adds to the bench, to the second unit is, you know, if you're in a pinch, just give it to Norman. He could create some type of bucket, whether he's scoring or getting to the free throw line or creating for others, you know? And, uh, yeah. Also, the combination of, let's just say, Paul George and Kawhi are sitting next season and the combination of throwing Norman Powell in the starting lineup with Reggie or John Wall is still going to be better than the at least the bottom-tier teams and still compete with the middle-tier teams. Like we might struggle against the Milwaukee Bucks or something, but we can still win games with those with that combo. I'm I'm just I think we when we look at the depth of the Clippers, we all have this like we know we're super deep, 
no 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 teams deeper than us we just got hopefully everybody's on board for that yeah because there's gonna be play, players that play 25 to 30 minutes last year that are going to be playing 12 to 15 next year right and i think everyone's gonna be on board but we don't know that till we're actually in the heat of the moment of it and then we'll get into the summer league later but like you said brandon boston he's gonna want minutes too at some point like if he could accept playing in the G League this year, that's great, but we can't keep doing that. <laughs> like, we can't just keep throwing a, a, a player that's talented as him in the G League every year because we're too deep. And you're stunting his growth as a, as a basketball player. Like, being a basketball player, you can only get – you grow as your competition grows. So, it's at to a point, you keep playing in the G League, you're going to level out. You need to play against guys who's better than you or guys that are at a higher competition than what you're used to playing to get better. He, like you said, he can't keep playing in the G League. You know, he needs to be, you know, a a key piece for us in the future if he's going to reach his true ceiling. Yeah, I think he'll be like an everyday starting G League player next year. Mm-hmm. But he'll event, but he'll get some minutes. He'll get some minutes. He might even start a game there and there when we sit a bunch of people. Right. But I don't know if that's, helping or stunning his growth but maybe we don't need him to grow necessarily i know that sounds weird but we don't necessarily need him to grow this year but we do need him ready for year three for sure yeah and um yeah we'll see i don't know if uh you have anything to add to that well well, yeah i mean going back to norm i was gonna say you know and i think in the past like 10 to 15 years i think that the six man of the year has only been on a championship team like three times no, that's a so that's that's some, that's some context, you know. Like that's why I just don't like to have like these big scoring guards like off the bench. I, I just feel like it's not a real recipe to win. Um, because even like I mean, Norm necessarily is not a six man, you know. I, and I'm and I'm saying that because he started in Portland, yeah. and he wasn't really a six man in Toronto. Like he was more of a role player, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, uh, but with that being said, it's kind of because. I don't, yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't want him to come in here 14 points a game, 15 points a game, 44% from the field, you know, 38% from three. We've seen this story before, like this Lou Will, like Jamal Crawford, like we've seen it, you know, where these high scoring guards, high usage guards come in when the stars sit, give these big games, big minutes, and then they come into the playoffs to get frozen in half court defense. Like we've seen it. Um, yeah. so that's just like a concern, you know, like that's something that I'm not, I'm not too like fond on. And Norman Powell kind of is a mixture of the both because mixture of both. Cause from our experience so far, he didn't play that well in the plan. Let's just be real bad. He had a really good first half against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then after that, it, he kind of struggled. He got gas, awesome. which yeah. he, he's, he's, com- he's coming off a leg injury. So it's understandable, but you know, that's a, that's, that's where we probably need him the most, especially in the game. Paul George didn't plan. But he's also won a championship. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's like I don't I don't know where to gauge him. Maybe like this could be some fanfare. Like I said, I'm talking like directly as a fan. Mm-hmm. So it could be some fanfare where it's like, you know, as a fan, I just haven't connected with him, you know. And to those fans that think that connecting to players doesn't exist, like, yeah, it does. Cause that's why we have two SoCal guys and we have fan bases from not only just the Clippers, but Kawhi and PG. You know, oh, like yeah. they have they have their own fan bases that carry over. Absolutely. But, um, you know, to my second point, this is and this is a good one. You know, this is the one that I think like, you know, you guys are like, yeah, like, you know, the normal one is cool, but 
we really have to talk about Kawhi, you know, and, and, and the real expectations, you know, like I, I, I think it's like undervalued how much an ACL really takes from you. Mm-hmm. And people can say modern medicine all they want. People can say like, yeah, you know, uh, he's rested 18, 20 months. It's, it takes from you. We've seen this on, like throughout history of basketball. It just, it, it takes athleticism, you know, now luckily Kawhi is skilled enough to like, you know, where his game is really a lot of post up mid range, pull up three pointers, you know, one pull up has he go to the rim. Really? It's like really efficient quick buckets methodical. he's very decisive he's very methodical very decisive but um you know the load management that's about to you know in- that's incoming pretty much is going to be generational Damn. you know I, like I, I think that should be expected um and let's get to the big point right the big point is what if what if he's not all right right you know, yeah. I mean, what if he's what if he's not like what? Because personally, like as as a fan, right? Um, it's been two, almost two years. Like it's been like I think what it'll be at the time that he starts, like 18, 16 months, something like that. Mm-hmm. It has to be a real conversation. Like he can't. Sure, he could start the games going twenty minutes, twenty seven minutes, twenty five minutes. But at some point, you know, it can't be all season. That's not a recipe to win. You cannot win like that. And, and you know what's so weird about that, bro? Like. When he tore it, remember last year, summer league, like after right after his surgery, he was there, you know, no brace, mm-hmm. nothing. I never seen Kawhi with a limp after surgery. Mm-hmm. He was walking normal. I never seen him with a brace on. I never seen him on crutches. Like he looked in like he was fine. He was good to go. You know what I'm saying? So it's, I think it's, I don't know if it's Kawhi taking extra precautions just to make sure that he's 100% right. Um, the low management, like you said, is going to be a big, it's going to be a, like historic this year, but then again, that's where I guess to your original point, that's where Norm would step up. You know, Norm mm-hmm. would be that that second guy, and it would be a second guy by committee because if one, I think Kawhi plays probably 45, 50 games this year max. Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm not going to put too much of an expectation on him. Um, and with that being said, I think PG is going to be the one that's really going to take that leadership role and you know, command the troops, which I, which what he has been doing since, you know, Kawhi went down, you know what I'm saying? Like PG was on pace to, I feel, to be in top MVP consideration before the elbow injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, had he got us to the sixth seed fully healthy, like without the injury and got us to like the sixth seed battling for the fifth seed, I think we talking about Paul George being MVP over Jokic. That's my opinion. Um, with that being said, it's a good thing that we have the depth to, you know, carry it over for the low management because Nora could step up, Brandon Boston Jr. could step up, um, Reggie could step up, Mook could step up, and you know, like we go all going to do it by committee, which I think will be a telling sign for us this year. And if it's not working, I think something will be made by the deadline. I think some type of trade will be made to acquire maybe another big because uh, we have enough shot creators. And playmakers, so maybe another big for the deadline to move, you know, some pieces away so others can flourish and get comfortable and get a rhythm for the postseason. But you know, you got to wait and see how the things play out. So, so I got a question, right? So I got a question. So let's say we we have a bad year. Let's say we fold out. 
You know, I mean, like, let's 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 really say this. Like, let's really say because I think it's a real option that we could lose in round two, depending mm-hmm. on our matchup. Yeah. Like, I, I know people want to hear it. Like, you know, we're like, I mean, trust me, I, I tell Brian all the time, like, I'm here for the smoke already. Like, run this up. You know, I'm done yeah. waiting. I'm done waiting, bro. So, like, I feel confident in the team. I, it's the best team ever they've ever had. Yeah. You know, and with all, like, the, the, the media, with everybody that gets behind the squad, I'm sure they feel, the sim- like, similar. I mean, Jalen Rose just went on TV and said, this is the best team they've ever had. This guy played in the league. Yeah. Let's say we get to the second round, we fold out. Let's say, God forbid, one of our key guys get hurt again. Let's say, I mean, our let's say our depth lets us down. Let's say Kawhi has, let's say he struggles. I mean, you know, there's no guarantees coming off of ACL. We just saw Jamal Murray. He was okay to come back, and he mentally could not come back. Right. You know, uh, let's let's say, let's put all these factors. Then what? You know, yeah. like, the, 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 it's a real issue, like, as far as the, the team is concerned. I'm sure they have the same conversations within, like, their the organization where it's like, well, if this doesn't work out, then then what? You know, like, what what what's the plan next? Second round exit even if they were fully healthy is an option just simply because of how deep the West is and maybe the matchup is just something we're not prepared for. Like we could say that if we went five out against the Timberwolves, we would be fine. But who's to say that, bro, we just don't know. Yeah. We don't know. We haven't really seen it. We we've seen, we've seen, we've done it against cat. We've done it against Rudy Gobert, but we haven't done it when they're both Together, on the court at the same time. We don't right? know, bro. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm actually been one of those people because like I was there when Ellen Brand got hurt. <laughs> I was there when a lot of these players like Blake Griffin was just never the same after all his injuries. And we assume Kawhi is different. And I do believe Kawhi is different, but everyone I think is talking like we're going to get a hundred percent Kawhi. And like, it could just be that we get 80% Kawhi, which is still a great NBA player and still the second best player on the team. Right. And, and I'm, and hot take machine right here, if we're going to do hot takes, he's a, he's the second best player on the team behind Paul George right now, currently, even if he came back fully healthy. Honestly, I'm going to keep it real with y'all. Look, I, I know. Agree, shout out PG. Like, you know, y'all know that PG, my, my dog, right? Y'all know that. Like, you know, yeah. we, but, but um, when he came to the team at first, right, when it was Kawhi and PG, like, I was in hype for Kawhi. I was hype for PG. I was hype for PG, right? Yeah. And I and I just think it's like I don't know if it's the the style of scoring. Like my little brother's a huge Kawhi stand, right? So he like since San Antonio, he loves the guy. I I personally never saw what he saw, but I mean mm-hmm. I saw it over time, right? Like you know he he developed his game, one on one scoring, etc. But just even even in 2020, like the team went as PG went. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know it it really went to as far as he would take us. Like sure the bubble. Kawhi and PG had a bad game seven, but while Kawhi was picking up the pieces, the games would only get easier for us as PG went. The team goes as PG goes. Yeah. When when we played against the Dallas Mavericks in game in round one, this is the one where we went down 0-2. Mm-hmm. I I went to game five, and that was the game we lost to Dallas at home, and we were like, crap, you know, this is not good. But that was the game where Terrence didn't dunk or whatever, and uh, and we ended up losing that game. But I remember we had a lead like late third, and we threw Kawhi in there with basically 
middle tier players. I don't remember who's out there. I think Rondo was out there with him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you could just tell the pace of the offense was stagnant. It was not working. With Kawhi, bro, like I like I appreciate Kawhi, his game. And Kawhi doesn't trust. You can tell he has trust issues with teammates. Yeah. And when Kawhi is in the game and then he has the ball at that high mid post area, he's not giving it up. He's not. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna get to a spot and he's gonna shoot it like when PG is out there and it's not Kawhi, the ball moves better. Like the, the team or is in a better groove. Like they have a better rhythm offensively. When Kawhi is there, it's kind of real stagnant. Like you said, it, it, you know, it sits there. He's he's gonna score about eighty percent of the time, but it's still times where it's like, damn, like we had a good a good groove going in, like the whole tempo changed because it slowed up. The, the pace is slowed up. And mm-hmm. it, it could that could be intimidating when you're playing with somebody as as great as Kawhi who demands, you know, the ball like Kawhi because, you know, like Terrence Mann could get, like, second-guess himself kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like Reggie yeah. kind of second-guess himself on the catch and shoot. It's like, do I shoot it or do I pass it back to him? You know, like you, you get hesitant and, and that throws off your rhythm and your confidence, you know, like, like you said with the Terrence Mann dunk, it's like Terrence Mann needs to he needs to just be more decisive. Like Terrence Mann is a beast, but for him to really excel, he just needs to be decisive when talking the room. And he had signs this year where he was like, ah, I'm driving, but I'm gonna pull it out. Like, nah, just attack the room. Worst the worst thing that's gonna happen is you're gonna get a layup, you're gonna get contact, and they're not gonna blow the whistle. But yeah, to your point, man, Kawhi, he kind of like he kind of stops the 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 ball. Like he's a ball stopper um, sometimes. And, he he's still a top five ten player in the league. It's just Absolutely. it's just it's just one of those things where like if we're comparing the two, Paul George just moves at a, at a better rhythm. And mm-hmm. I I and if and if I'm not I hate the argument about like Kawhi's not a leader and we don't Me have too. leadership. Me too. I don't believe. I, I, it. I, don't I, believe I, I I hate that conversation. I don't believe it. I don't I don't believe that. Yeah. But when people say like I, I believe uh um on uh ESPN or something says that there's not real leadership in the locker room right now or something like that and and like I think that's BS because like let's just say it's not quite I, I still think quite is a leader but let's just say it's not and it's and we're looking at Paul George then right Paul George is the player that's hugging Reggie Jackson after Reggie Jackson has that game against the Timberwolves last year to kind of give him the like the, hey you, you're good you know like and Paul George is the player that believes in everybody on the team. Yep. Like he's the one who's hyping everybody up. He's hyping Brandon Boston up. He's hap- he's hop. Uh, he's hyping Terrence man. Uh, Terrence man up. He's hyping Reggie Jackson up. Luke Kennard. Like he he like you could tell there's like a family in the locker room. And then you add Ty Lue on top of that to be like the father figure. <laughs> if that makes sense. You see, like Paul George, like outside of games, like he brings everybody together. You know, like yeah, they they all vibe with each other. Like it's usually like you know you see Reggie and Paul, Reggie and Terrence. You know, um, Paul and Terrence. You know, they always like they're together. Like he brings camaraderie with the team. And I mean, we're seeing it right now in Italy. Like Kawhi's Kawhi's out there. (laughs) You know, Kawhi's out there. You know, because of Paul George. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So so. I do think when it's all said and done, nationally, there people are still going to be like, "This is Kawhi's team." But I think, like as a yeah, fan, no. and it's it's Paul George's team, and yeah. I think we're seeing that with the free agent signings and all that too. 
and uh bringing john wall in and stuff like that but like getting back to your original point uh i do think there needs to be this expectation of like Kawhi can come back 100 percent. he can maybe come back the best he's ever had because of how much rest he's had or he could come back and be 60 80 percent quiet still be really good but then we're counting on other players and like what Damo said, like he might just play 40 games this year yeah. <laughs> you know and well, because of other injuries or just the way the load management schedule works or yeah. something comes up is that then asking paul george to play more games or is that just are we just gonna like you know what we're still gonna rock the team we had last year for an, a 2025 game period and just hope we don't go eight and 17 in that run you know well like, well, well brian i think that the team is going to not come out with a sense of urgency I think they're going to come out methodical like that and kind of like test everything out, see how everything's going, check what players they want to play. So maybe they do that 25 game, 15 game thing. Now, now, now what I do, what I do need to like, you know, put in here is also like, I'd be reading a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Like the last, since basically 2010, every champion has been a third seed or higher. You cannot, except I think Toronto was a fourth seed. Okay. You cannot, um, we have to be a top three seed. There's like no question. Like there's no, there's no question about it, no doubt about it. If we have real title aspirations, like we really need a top seed and have home court. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Clippers don't have fans. That don't matter. Like we need a home court. You know what I'm saying? Like that, yeah. that is undeniable. Like we don't, we don't need to be playing four games in Phoenix, four games in Dallas. Nah, for what, games. bro? For yeah. what? Like, for what? Like the regular season does matter. All that this season has showed, like, the past what three to four seasons mm-hmm. the lakers were a one seed golden Great. state was what a three seed three seed yeah bro like i think it was a one seed too or a yeah. two seed last year golden state going into the finals did they have home court yeah right they had uh, home court. Who did yeah they, they did yeah yeah Boston, yeah they did so like bro it, it all it shows that like we need to have home court the lakers essentially would have had home court right i yeah. think if they would have played in the in, in the bubble they, they had home court i think so yeah. All that tells me is that you need home court. Like there's no, there's no way about it. And, and and keep in mind when you have a higher seed, you end up playing lower seeds on your on on the road to getting yourself to a championship. Like because keep in mind, Clippers lost to the Nuggets, so the Lakers in the bubble had to play, I believe, a six seed Nuggets team or seven seed Nuggets team or something like that. Well, we uh, had the second six, seed. So I think there was a. I think the Nuggets were a six. Six seed Nuggets team. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, like you're playing in the Western Conference Finals of 60. I, I, I don't mean to go on my, on my uh, uh, soapbox right now, but the Lakers, I don't think, played a seed that was higher than five in their entire uh, playoff run that season, which is fine. You know, you got the first seed. It, plan, it pans out, but that's why I, I, people are hyped for that champion. I was like, I just don't think the team was that much better than other teams. <laughs> it's just you played lower seeds the entire run. Like the, the Miami Heat did not deserve to be in that finals, but – all the other teams ahead of them crumbled. And well, yeah, just, well, they, they all played Milwaukee. Like Jimmy, mm-hmm. I played Giannis. Like Jimmy carried them to the finals. Um, yeah, it's just like, bro. Like you know, I think that is so. I think that is a huge deal. Like we have to be a, a top three seed, and with a top three seed, yeah, depth can carry you. But how far can it? At some point, your stars have to play to get that seed. And you know what, Jay? It's gonna like it's it's training camp is gonna be really important. Yeah, um, absolutely. Training camp, you gotta you gotta figure out how you want to start the season off. You know, you got to figure out your rotations and your lineups in training camp. 
And then, like like you said, the first 25 games or so, it would be like a, a kind of a filler out process to see, like, all right, let's see what's working, what's not working. It's just like when we had Bland and um, Reggie starting the first part of the first part of the season, and you know, it, it wasn't working. And then you went to different measures where Bland was coming off the bench and it's, it changed the dynamic of the team for that part of the season. The regular season needs to be taken seriously. Um, you need to develop back. I mean, you need to develop good habits in the beginning. So that way, when it comes down to after all-star break, going into the play, playoffs, everybody knows what's expected of them. Everybody knows their their rotations. Everybody knows their positions on the floor. And you need to be ready for the postseason. That's why I'm with you. It's like the regular season needs to be taken as seriously as possible. It's going to be tough because we know that Kawhi is going to get low managed. PG is going to get low managed at times. Reggie may get low managed. Um, Nico is going to get low managed. And probably Mook is going to get low managed, which is cool because we have the depth to make up for it. But also at the same token, when those guys do low manage, they need to play with extra intent. Everybody else needs to play with extra intensity to carry out a win to try to get that seat. We don't want to be losing games to like Utah. We don't want to be like it's important, bro. It's important. I I feel you. Yeah, it's important. Like we lost games to the Kings last year. There's no point we should be losing to those things. Yeah, like like bro, we're I mean, let's say even last year, right? We'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But there was time, I think in the 2021 run in the season, right? Uh, this is the clip season, the, the Western Conference Finals year. Mm-hmm. We were losing like bogus games, like throwaway games. Oh, and we still, I, I don't think we'd be in the Pelicans like in like two years or something. You know, like it, it's kind of <laughs> crazy. Now the Pelicans are good. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, well, there's another team. But I mean, there's, there's these, just these key games where it's like, it's a must win. You have to grab it. You have to grab it. And these marquee games, they have to be like testing standards. You know what I'm saying? It also depends how the NBA schedule pans out because the Clippers always oh, get, get, gets the worst. Um, absolutely. I guess the shit in the stick, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, because if it's something like last season where we had like 16 home games in our first like 22 games or something like that, it was ridiculous. I don't remember the exact numbers. The Clippers might actually have to start off with like, we need to take advantage of these home games. So they might yeah. actually start off hot and then start considering load management like in January and February instead, mm-hmm. maybe around the all-star break and then try to ramp it up again in March. Or if we end up not having a ton of home games or something like that, and we have most of our back-to-backs at the beginning of the season, then it was like, we're going to just load manage at the beginning of the season and then ramp it up as we go. I'm kind of curious about how the schedule is going to pan out because they've been putting a lot of emphasis, especially with Adam Silver on load managing. So knowing that, you know, your marquee guys in the league is coming back from injuries or whatever, like you want to preserve LeBron's health, you want to preserve Kawhi's health, you want to preserve KD's health. Giannis hasn't really been hurt like that. Luka hasn't really been hurt like that. But, you know, those three, KD, Kawhi, and LeBron, you want to kind of reserve their health. So I'm curious to see how how the schedule is going to pan out for maybe we may get a favorable schedule this year. Maybe we won't. You know, we are the Clippers, you know, so – probably going to get a schedule again, but for the sake of low management from a business standpoint, I'm curious to see if we're going to get a favorable, a favorable schedule. Cause if we do, then that's a game changer. You know, if we don't have so many, you know, back to backs or four and fives or five and sevens, you know, like mm-hmm. that, that's big. That's huge for us, you know? So I'm just curious to see how that's going to play out. So I do believe last year, since we didn't have quite when they were making the schedule, 
I do believe they thought that they, they could just give us like a Sacramento Kings S schedule. And I think this time around, we're still going to have, I think, less flexibility than the Lakers do. But I do believe we're going to be in discussions for more marquee games on like national television and stuff like that than maybe even LeBron. Like, I'm assuming, okay, if you told me, will TNT and ESPN choose LeBron over Kawhi and Paul George? Probably. But at some point, if they, if they end up keeping Russell, which we don't know if that's going to be the case, this might be an outdated take in like 10 minutes. But if that's the case and the Lakers are basically running back the same team they had last year, which was an 11 seed team versus a Clippers team that has Paul George and quiet, they might opt to like, Hey, you know what? These Clipper teams, we should have these ones as our marquee game. So they get the Saturday night game or the Friday night game. And the, the Lakers end up having the noon game. You know, uh, Brian, I Sunday. laugh. I laugh. Cause it's, it's like, even if they bring back Russ, bro, it's must see TV. Like I, <laughs> you're, you're I, right. I, I watched like every Laker game last year and not really cause I'm a hater or anything. I just love to watch ball. Right. And we get the local channels. So it's like, why not? And bro, it's just must see TV. Like, so yeah. if they put, if they put them on national TV, like last year, I think they had half their season on national TV, like 41 games. Right. So if they do it again, it's like, well, it you know it's it's musty tv it's good to watch well i think this is a good segue we'll 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 flip some things around on the agenda so on espn national tv if you're watching the summer league they keep counting paul paul george Kawhi, and john wall as the clippers new big three uh i Personally, before we get started on it, I, 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 don't, I don't feel like you could sign a guy to an MLE and then count him as part of your big three. <laughs> like, that's just my take. Like, you don't get a discount on a guy and then it's like, oh, now this guy's a big three. I, I, I do believe the Clippers have a big two and then you could fill in the three with Norman, Reggie or John Wall or whoever. Like, I think I think it flip flops. Uh but uh yeah how do you guys feel about national television basically saying the clippers have a big three now i don't care um they're gonna do what they want i think they call it john adding john wall to the big three because he's probably the the biggest and most recognizable name outside of Kawhi and paul george so like john wall is the only other team that's been an all-star only other player outside of that's been an all-star he's been a five-time all-star you know he's been in multiple playoff battles like he he was a bad man on on the um, team for a long time. So I think them calling John Wall, adding John Wall to a big three is, you know, they're just media getting ratings and it's a business at the same time. So they need to try to make stories and create narratives and push agendas. But it's not a, until we he actually's playing on the court. And he if he plays like a like a all-star type of player like he used to be, it's not a big three. Until he like shows that he can be an all-star again. It's not a big three. It's just a big two with a bunch of really, really good role players. Yeah. Jake? Well, you know, uh, the way I look at it is like this, bro. Like, last season, they quoted the Lakers having, like, five top 75 guys. And, you know, at one point, they had Isaiah Thomas play for them, which was an ex-All-Star. Like, bro, these guys are going to make up these narratives as much as they can. You know, it's the media. But um, I'm kind of – the more that John Wall has, like, the name has come around, the more I'm kind of, like, easing up to it. At first, I was a little reluctant. Um, but now I'm, like, kind of on board. It's definitely not a big three, not even close. 
Can mm-hmm. I get an MLE guy and have it be a big three? Right. Um, at, like a guy that was being sat in Houston. Like, there's no way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, it is what it is, bro. Uh, I'm excited to see John play. That's one thing for sure, though. Are, are you guys hyped about his team option? Like, if it just doesn't Oh, man, out? look, I, I cannot believe. First of all, I can't believe that that was even a thing. They sh- Like, Rich should have, like, locked that up for two straight up. Yeah. Uh, because if he underperforms, he's cooked. Yeah. Well, I, I, I also look at it as even if he plays poorly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers still uh, get the option and then see if they could try to trade him. Move him. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a that's $6 million is that sweet spot between the men guys, the, like the minimum, gap. Yeah, yeah. minimum guys we have and like the 10 to $18 million guys we have. Mm-hmm. so like he, that's a very sweet contract to try to make a trade work and then you just have john wall on a very cheap expiring contract if he's somewhere else but if it does pan out you got an all-star caliber point guard for another six million and it's on you it's not on him to opt into his option it's the team opting in on him again yeah so uh or if he, if he just kicks ass he could just maybe negotiate an extension you never know like so it's it's very favorable. I like it a lot. I like you said. I'm surprised it happened, but now that I look at it, you sign John Wall to six million dollars or six and a half million dollars or so with a team option on the second year. Like that's better than probably the heart deal that we could have got. <laughs> I'm being Dude, I mean, the deal the deal is great, bro. Yeah, being a hundred percent, bro. I'm super excited to see John play. You know, we got Eric Bledsoe last year to kind of give us some spot minutes here and there. Good minutes. He even started, you know, for like good 20 games. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited to see him play. Like, he – I don't think he's washed. Not yet. I got to see he's washed to call him washed. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, yeah. Like, yeah. When he was in Houston, like, yeah, he was on a bad team. Yeah, he was putting up empty empty numbers. But I'm not looking at, like, what he was putting up and how he was putting up. I was looking at how he was moving. Like, he still looked like me too. old. You know what I'm saying? Like – he still was getting the passing lanes. He was still, like, getting blown by defenders and, you know, still dunking and finding guys in the lane for passes. Like, it's 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 more it's like – that's what be killing me about, like, I guess people on Twitter, like NBA fans on Twitter, is like they just look at the numbers and it's like that's it. Like, no, it's, the game of basketball is more than just numbers. You know what I'm saying? Or putting up numbers. It's, it's how you move and how you're playing, how a guy's playing to determine if he's cooked or washed or whatever, like – if John Wall is still getting to his spots and he's just missing it, he's just missing shots. You know what I'm saying? Like, the same with Russ. Like, Russ had a terrible season. Like, I'm not trying to defend him or anything, but he played terrible. But at the same time, if he's still able to, like, maneuver and still blow by his defenders, he mm-hmm. was just – he was just it was just a confidence thing. With Russ, it's not, like, an ability thing. Like, you can't do it. It was just confidence. His confidence was broken. And with John – I think his confidence is at an all-time high, especially going into training camp. If he kills training camp and he'd be starting it and he's playing, like, actually on the floor in a real-life game with Kawhi and PG and how it is. And if he working doing what he say he is, working on his catch-and-shoot threes, and he's making them at a consistent basis and still playmaking, that's a great-ass contract, man. And, like, it, it's, it's, it's going to be fun, but also it got to be realistic. You never know what could happen, like. God forbid, you know, somebody could get hurt tomorrow. You know, God yeah. forbid, 
it's just it, that's just that's just human nature. You never know. So you just gotta be optimistic with everybody's fully healthy and just go from there. Yeah, like the difference between John Wall in 2021 and the difference between John Wall in 2022 is $41 million. Yeah. And he when we when I was watching him play, I was like, in the context of a 40 something million dollar player, which I think he was making 44 last year and he wasn't even playing last year. Mm-hmm. So before then, uh, in the context of that and his contract, it was like, yeah, I don't he's he's just not good. He's not that good of a player. But now he's a six million dollar MLE guy. He's probably the best MLE signing all offseason in the NBA and probably the best six million dollar point guard in the NBA. Right. You know, it's the context of the contract and like how it fits because like if we were to bring john wall we would have had to give up a lot of pieces in the past stuff like that and that's the difference between like because i do believe they're compared a lot is john wall and russell westbrook because they had a similar contract and both both players were basically playing like not living up to it let's put it that way and now Russell's still making $47 million and making it where the Lakers can't fill in the gaps on the roster. And John Wall's making $6 million for us. And I do think if whatever reason the Clippers have a tough time adjusting next season and the Lakers get off on a better start or something, people are going to compare the big threes. But at the end of the day, the way our roster construction, it's just it's a lot better than what the Lakers have too. Yeah. And – it is what it is. I mean, I'm hyped, man. I'm hyped to see John. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm fully on board. At first, I was kind of shaky. I'm on board now, bro. Let's see it. You know, I, no time. No time to waste. Yeah, like, John's been one of my favorite players. Like, he's like my top three favorite player in the league. It's him, DeMar, and PG. So, DeMar's been – I mean, John's been one of my top favorite players for a minute. So, I'm excited. When we got him, I was, like, happy as hell, bro. Like, I, almost, I felt almost how I did when we got PG. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, let's go. Like, I know John can still play. Like, he, he wasn't playing because it wasn't injured. He wasn't playing because the team just wanted to tank. Just call it what it is, you know? He goes, like, I'm better than the bench player at this point. I don't want to come off the bench. Whatever. Whatever Houston and him had going on, that's in the past. But I'm excited, bro. I'm ready for the season to get started. I'm ready for summer league to be over with. I'm ready for training camp to start. And I'm just ready for October to come, man. And yeah. go, go to these games and – have something to cheer for, man, and be excited about. Uh, the segue. Uh, about third quarter into that Lakers-Clippers summer league game, I was already over the summer league. <laughs> I was I was like, man, this is – I'm tired of watching this. Uh, we've already talked about Brandon Boston Jr. Is there any more takes you guys on Brandon Boston before we kind of um, go through the key players? Great shot creator. Uh, obviously, a league ahead, like, of people in the summer league. Like, he's an NBA player, so there's no – Mm-hmm. No, no, there's no question on that. Hopefully, I would like to see him crack minutes, and um, I think he should because he's like 20 years old. So, <laughs> you know, if I, I mean, and he's on a guarantee. So, with that being said, it's like, bro, he's actually getting paid out here. Uh, it, it would be, it would be wise to play him. Yeah. Do you do? Uh, you brought this up in the chat yesterday, so I'm not gonna give you credit for this question. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not gonna give myself credit. Hit it up. Hit it up. Hit it up. Hit it up. Would you trade? uh a player on this uh, team already yeah bro yeah to give i would i would i would uh it's time like sure people could say it's his sophomore year or whatever it's like jordan Poole's third year and he won a title and actually contributed yeah. to a championship team 
there like the gaps of this kind of stuff is like so small um yeah i mean for sure or if they want to wait till next year they cannot wait any longer because yeah. his agent is going to cook and yeah. he will go somewhere and average 15 a game you know it's just the way it is yeah, yeah. i think he's i think he's clutch he, oh yeah rich ball cooking rich ball, rich he, ball he, cooking. he's if if he had his whole rookie year on a bad team, he would be starting for sure this year. Bro, he absolutely. Absolutely. He'd be exactly what Jalen Green is right now. Like, like to go back to him being clutch, like he also played with Bronny. You know what I'm saying? So he has a relationship with Bron, and Bron would be in his ear talking about like, like doing everything he can to help him out as far as getting the bag. So they they the Clippers have to pay him because it's it's Outside of just the basketball talent, like it's just the business. Like you have to play him, or else he's going to leave. Yeah, there's no question. He's going to, you know, kill wherever he goes. Like I look at Brandon Boston, like highlights from you know yesterday. He's like a, a PG disciple right now, bro. Like that's what I, that's, bro. I was talking to Brian about that yesterday. Bro, like it's, the Hezzy is the same. The Hezzy, the, the dribble, pull up, one pull up, dri- yeah. <laughs> Even even like bro, like it was it was a play where he was like driving to the lane and he slowed up how PG slows up and finished through the contact. I'm like, yo, it's very Paul S there, sir. Like you've been learning, like you know, I'm working out with them, right? Yeah, man. Again, leadership with Paul George. Yeah. <laughs> uh let's get into uh the other second round draft pick from that mm-hmm. same draft, Jason Preston, mm-hmm. who yeah. uh oh. missed yesterday. Yeah. Uh I know you have some interesting takes, uh, Jake. Yeah, I, I, you know, shout out Jason. I met him at Summer League. Super cool guy. I'm not even going to get into it like that because, you know, he's, he's a nice dude. Um, at times, I just feel like the game's a little too fast for him. Yeah. You know, he, he sometimes he gives it two, three, four dribbles, and then he kind of, you know, stops. <laughs> and then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, let me pass the ball. Um, I do like his patience, though. He is patient. There's a difference between patience and, like, the pace of the game. He's patient. Even if he limits his mistakes, you look at the box score, he still got three turnovers on there, four turnovers. Like, you know, you, if you go look at him, um, the scoring is obviously an issue, right? Like, he doesn't score the ball like that. Um, and at this level, it's always nice to be a threat, you know. But then again, this is this is his real rookie year. So uh, I see a lot of G League, right? And um, hopefully he can get some real reps, real run, NBA run, and then we'll see. Yeah, it was somebody I was I was like high on when everybody was in the oh we need a point guard frenzy towards the end of the season last year. I'm like, well, we had Jason Preston, but watching him um play, he gets bodied a lot. You know what I'm saying? He has to turn his back a lot to protect the ball. Um he's not beating guys off the dribble like I thought he probably would be. Um he reminds me a lot of Andre Miller without a post game. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he's real like you're like methodical, like he, he can make the right pass, he makes the right passes, but he still turns the ball over. He can't shot curate on our or like get to the rim as easy as other guys in his class or you know, as with his peers that's of his same age group. So I have concerns. Um, G League he needs to develop a little bit more. And then like it's crazy because like watching summer league, it's a night and day between when Preston is running the short floor and when Xavier Moon is out there, it's like so yeah. much faster. It's like, my God. You, you stole the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, 
yesterday when Xavier Moon started, the pace was just so much more crisp. And I don't, and and maybe in Jason's defense, uh, Scrub and Boston probably like the run. So it, it made sense to have a fast point guard out there who could get to his spots and, you know, find the open person and get the offense going and transition and um, move with some pace. Jason Preston looks like he'd be a perfect point guard for Paul George and Kawhi's like half court offense, but he's still not NBA ready. So he would never even be part of that. And by the time maybe he is ready to be part of that, we might have a totally different look yeah, on this team. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do feel like him not playing last year probably uh, hurt his chances of getting, getting real NBA minutes, when, but we'll see. I think he's going to be a really good G League point guard. He he can get to his – he doesn't, like, force his spots on the court, like Xavier Moon. Like, you know, he'll he'll try to get in between some people, make them collapse, and then kick it out. Jason kind of, like, will find the open spots. And then, like, all right, now I'm in this open spot. I guess I'll take the floater because no one's collapsing. Or right. people are collapsing. I guess I'll do a behind-the-shoulder pass to Jay Scrub in the corner. Uh, so there's there there's things I liked that I saw. His help defense was a lot better than I thought it was going to be, uh, but he he was still getting blown by a few times by quicker guards. Uh, so he he he, in my opinion, is more of a work in pro uh, a work in progress uh, than Musa Diabate is. And was, exactly, exactly. Like like everyone's saying that Musa is a project, and like yeah, he is. But we don't have this expectation that he's going to be a backup center next year. So, yeah. but in the year after, like he, no, he I mean, Moose is a little more ready, right? Like, yeah. He, yeah, even with him being a project, he's further along than I thought he would be. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, he has the footwork. You could tell, like when he played international ball, that it's translating to the at least the summer league. I don't know. We'll see in training camp when he's playing preseason basketball with real NBA players if it will translate then, but he's aggressive. He's guarding all five positions on the court and he's not doing a bad job at all. He's staying when he's, when he's stuck on an Island, he doesn't look lost. He doesn't look nervous. He just steps up and he does pretty good. Uh, he, he, I don't expect him to be an efficient three point shooter, but at least we know he can make it and his form is not absolute crap. Mm. And if he can learn to make some free throws, like he he'll be a really good backup center and yeah. on the Clippers at some point. Yeah, and I think with him, you know, being around Ty Lue and the, that coaching staff a lot, I think they're gonna mature him faster. Like you don't need to celebrate at every night basket, you know. Yeah. You need to get back on D. Um, he'll get stronger for sure. So when they do pass it to him on a low block or he's defending, he won't get put in the rim. Um, I like his footwork. I like. Is able to you know get switched out and guard one through five. Um, he does bite a lot on a lot of pump fakes, um, which is something he needs to be a little bit disciplined more more disciplined on defense because he he would get fouled out easily because he just bites on everything, you mm-hmm. know, goes after everything. So um, just a little bit read the read the offense a little bit better while he's on defense. Um, I think he would be a solid big in his league for sure. Jake, you any the second the second I fucking saw, sorry, I cursed. No, you're good. You're <laughs> the good. second I saw Musa play, bro, I was maybe like three rows from him, and I was just watching him hoop, 
and literally the first like 30 seconds i fell in love bro like mm-hmm. those those players that are just non-stop chaotic workhorses that they just go out there and they're just up and down active running like even if you're not the most skilled you are giving the most effort you know yeah. like that's that's the most important thing to me like the kid does not back down Mm-hmm. He's jumping at everything. He does need to be more disciplined because he bites at every single pump fake trying to send something out of here. Mm-hmm. But the kid is skilled. He's good to go. He's a good player. And um, people like to, you know, crap on him saying that, well, like he wasn't on any team's radar. He was like low on the draft boards and stuff. Bro, it don't matter. Yeah. Like the kid is good. Like he's he's solid. We'll see. I mean, I, I got a hot take. I He might get NBA minutes this season and you know what Jake and like a thing that I look at with players like I don't look at like the names I look at the intangibles like I watch his highlights at Michigan and he played the passing lanes like it's not too many bigs that play passing lanes you know what I'm saying and, and get yeah. that way like that's a valuable asset especially in, in the league like you carve out a niche for yourself and then you're 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 super athletic you're long you know what I'm saying you could be a defensive force bro and you know, transferring your game into something you never thought you could be. So, and having the ability to stretch the floor out and hit threes, like he was doing that in Michigan too. You yep. know, just get the sky's limit for him, bro. And I, I like his game. I just want him to mature a little bit, which will take time. But he's he's nice. He's a great pick. If if he's on a two way contract, I do think he'll get some minutes this year, especially if they don't force Zoo to play every game. Um. And if he shows up the training camp and Moses Brown doesn't bring it, uh, you can make the case that Moses Brown still might make the roster. But if Moose is on that two-way and he's on the end of that bench, Ty Lue might look to him first. You never know. Like, even if it's just to eat, eat minutes, it's not even to actually go out there and bring anything. Now, I might be just being too optimistic on that take. But... I do think he'll get NBA minutes at some point this year. He will be because I he's gonna have one of those two way contracts for sure. I just and see it I unless unless it, he yeah. just absolutely tears it up in training camp and Moses Brown did not bring it, then maybe yeah, then maybe uh, Musa gets the 15th spot on the roster. Brian, I mean, I really got a question. Like, we've seen Moses Brown play NBA games. I think he had like a 25 and 25 game, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Dude, bro, the, the way this kid can defend, like, you know, and summer league is a lot of a lot of bums. Well, you got to keep it real. A lot of guys yeah. are overseas prospects or guys trying to get overseas, guys trying to get in the league. And I, I say bums like, you know, in a like very general fan way. But um, like the kid can guard one through five pretty much, mm-hmm. you know, and Moses Brown can't. No. And he just fits our schemes. You know, he fits. I don't know, man. I think he, I think the kid is going to get minutes. I think Ty Lue going to like it. Unless the Clippers go out and get another big. Right. And it's between Moses Brown and Musa. The only thing Moses Brown has on Musa right now is NBA minutes. And he has a portfolio that's somewhat impressive. Mm-hmm. Outside of that. Musa, I think, intangible wise, brings a little bit more. To, the thing is, he's he's a rookie though, so do you want to rush him into second 
center minutes already? No, 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 no. But if you can still have both of them on the roster, yep, and then both on the bench, and Tyloo yep. looking at both and going, All right, mm-hmm. I'd, rather, I'd rather see Moose out there, you know, yeah. like, yeah, All right. I kind of look at it almost like how last season was almost like the beginning of the last season where we had three bids, you know, we had Surge, we had Hart, and we had Zoo, and we know who Zoo's the starter, Zoo's gonna get bulk of the minutes, but I think it's gonna go down to like matchup who we're playing if. You know, Musa is giving like way more energy and way more effort. Then I can I, I can really see Ty, you know, calling Musa's number over Moses Brown. You know what I'm saying? Like to get in there, and then it's just when we're playing against, I guess more uh, like the Jokic's and stuff like that. I can see Moses Brown getting that bump over Musa just because of the experience, um, the slight experience that he has over um, Musa. Because Moses Brown is only 22 years old, so like, yeah, he's had. Has to be a game for this belt, but he's still a very, very young player. Um, I just think it just depends on who we're playing and how we're playing. I agree. Also, like, we'll throw us out there. If the training camp invites stay the way they are, like who we are planning to bring to training camp, like obviously we could rescind any of these. But Moses Brown would really have to mess things up at training camp to not get the second center spot because he's the only second center there. And and the other one's Musa. It's and, lose. Yeah, like he he would really have to mess it up. And I don't think he's going to. I think he's a good player. Uh, he's solid. I'm excited. I think he's actually going to be a very athletic, entertaining second big on our different. team. Yeah, yeah, different. It, yeah, like um, having Hart was cool last year, but having an offensive centric center was frustrating at times for me especially when we couldn't get stops in our second unit uh not saying that moses brown's gonna necessarily change that too much he's a little he's a clunky defensive center but he's seven two and he runs the court right. <laughs> you know right. what i mean like yeah. it is what it is it's different um the last training camp invite and summer league guy we should go over before we uh get out of here jay scrub uh, we kind of went over Xavier Moon a little bit. I personally think Xavier Moon should get the second two-way spot based on his performance so far in Summer League. He still has a preseason to earn that and training camp, but um, skipping Xavier Moon because we already kind of talked about him. Jay Scrub, how do you guys feel about Jay Scrub right now? Um, how I feel about Jay Scrub is how I felt about Amir Coffee last Summer League because I felt Amir Coffee should have taken that jump to being like the best player on our roster in summer league last year. And it happened during the season. Amir got lucky because we had injuries. I don't see really the same thing happening. Granted, everybody stay healthy this year with Jay Scrub. Um, I like Jay Scrub a lot. Um, I like his athleticism. I like his fearlessness to attack the run. Uh, I feel he could work on his catch and shoot a little bit better, but I don't know. He's kind of, Underperform a little bit. And you know what? It seems like he's pressing. He's pressing a lot. You know, like he had an injury. He came back from injury. I think he's trying to prove that he's still as athletic, the same athletic guy he was before the injury. Mm-hmm. He's 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 getting to his spots. He's getting to the rim, but he's just not finishing. He's not finishing through contact, and he's not really making a lot of catch and shoot threes. And on his team, that's a big part of Ty Lute's offense is spraying is, you know, driving to the paint and spraying out and catching and shooting. So I don't know. 
I, I like Jay Scrub, but I don't know if he's gonna make it. I'm kind of with, um, you know, I'm kind of with his take. Like, I feel like Jay has been pressing a lot offensively. Um, just, you know, just really, really trying to impress, going to the rim, um, trying to show his offensive capabilities. I personally think there's not a space on the team for him. I mean, roster wise, um, we have our two threes are kind of like locked up already. Um, I think I do think though a team can get him though. You know, I, I think that he can play on another squad for sure. Um, and I think he is an NBA player as far as like going to another roster that really needs that, you know, shooting guard or small forward that's, you know, small. So like a combo forward type of thing. Yeah. Um, I just feel that, I don't know, not, not with our team. I think I, if we had to use another two way, I'd probably use it personally on either Brantley or uh, what's this guy named Reggie Perry. Yeah, the other the other big that we he kind of he he kind of be showing out a little bit like he has yeah. little little you know little burst here and there that he kind of shows out. I, I like it a lot. I like Brantley a lot. I honestly, if you were to ask me, because I do think Trent said this on last week's podcast that the other two ways should probably go to another wing just because. Yeah, that's our, opinion, it's yeah. just it's a utility thing. You you mm-hmm. we're gonna we have so many wings. If we were to lose a wing, why don't we just use our two way wing then? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I I think we're kind of deep at point guard worst case scenario luke canard plays it or we just go with paul george right so mm-hmm. point guards not necessarily it's not necessarily needed uh i like brantley a lot i would actually think i think brantley is actually so far earned the two-way spot and then if he goes to training camp with us or uh we'll see uh hopefully he's on our g league team next year and if we move mm-hmm. some pieces around maybe he could earn some minutes somewhere but um you're right, J Scrub. We're we're a championship contending team. We don't have a lot of roster spots. Uh, just J Scrub just doesn't fit right now. But you know what? I was probably saying the exact same thing on last year's, probably even last year's pod about Amir Coffee. Yeah, right, right, right. I was like, there's just not fit. You know, blah blah blah. Like, cause my takes on summer league is you got to show a ton of positive, not a ton of positive, but you you need to show some positives even be considered into nba rotation minutes and stuff like that uh, unless you're like a first round rookie drafted by your team but the clippers we're basically seeing like what is our g league team going to look like next year that's basically right. what our summer league experience was right. and um with jay scrub the only thing i think he has going for him is that the clippers drafted him with some expectations and they just want to see that through sort of like here Take the yeah. other two away. Take the other two. Yeah. You know who I like a lot too. I like Reynolds. Um, yeah, Reynolds. Reynolds, because I like I like how he plays. I like he can shoot the ball. He's a he can, he can shoot the hell out of the ball. Um, again, he probably don't have no spot for us on this team, but I'm pretty sure he can help somebody else out. But Reynolds, I like him a lot. I I do think Brantley and Reynolds and Perry both. In my opinion, I would take away some of our training camp invites and give it to them. And but another NBA team, if we if we decide not to do that, another NBA team should. And yeah, and hopefully those those guys end up on our G League roster. Yeah, that'd be really cool. You know the way, Brian. Like I when I was at summer league, I saw a couple overseas scouts because uh, like it says it on their credentials. Uh-huh. And so I saw like one for CSK Moscow. I saw one for Real Madrid. 
So they, they like sit in the regular stands, you know, like these guys, you know, we have to keep in mind that a lot of these guys, um, they're playing summer league, not only for a chance at NBA, but even for a chance at the G league, you know, and even for, even if the G league, a chance overseas, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like a lot of these guys, Xavier moon, I love him. I think he is an NBA player, but I think this year's draft, there was only like five guys under the size of six, one. Mm. um that were drafted so i think it was five dudes and, and so it's kind of like you know size is becoming a thing the taller you are the wing stuff is like a real you know with a separate conversation because you brought up uh the moscow team yeah i wonder if russian professional teams are having a hard time recruiting players simply Dude. because of the pretty yeah. grander thing has to be yeah, definitely, bro. And I think the, be, bro. The, war, the war is still going on, so nobody wants to be there right now, you know. So it's it's tough, bro. And and going back to like Jake's point with the overseas guys being there, like a lot of a lot of guys is playing in summer league is going to get paid way so much more money playing overseas than they would competing for yep. an NBA contract or being a fringe G League training cap type player, like. A lot, a lot of these guys are playing to go for overseas. Like they're just playing for exposure. You know, that's mm-hmm. all it is. You know, yeah. to their to, to their real life. I follow uh, 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 post. Uh, I follow this company on Instagram where they they basically like put out job openings where guys just go overseas. You know, just to play. Like, and you know, I, I I go through it and I get interested. Like, all right, I, it's like I could do this. You know, like, but I I, I can't. You know, because I have family, but. Aside of all that, like these guys that's playing in these games for exposure, like it's it's more than just the NBA to them. Like, yeah, ten ten years of playing overseas, you know, can set your family up for like a generation or two, you know. So yep. these these guys are, you know, it's cool to see these guys get the opportunities, you know, and you 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 root for them all and hope they hope everything works out for them all. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Let's move on to. Some Lob City talk to end this podcast off. Um, you dropped a Lob City shirt this week, didn't you, Jake? Yeah, I dropped a Lob City tee. It was something for, you know, Clipper fans that have been here for a while. I did the knucklehead stuff, so did the PG and Kawhi stuff this year, and then, um, you know, th- did a throwback. Uh, uh. I think so far it's a hit, and yeah, yeah, it's receptive. It, you, yeah, you did, and you did a lot of good promotion with it, with like the photo shoots and the lookbooks and all that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Damo put up a poll recently. Um, what is the best Lob City dunk? He had Blake over Tim- Timothy Mozgov, DJ over Brandon Knight, uh, Jam- Jamal Crawford's between the legs lob to Blake. And then Blake over Perk, and the winning purse, the winning dunk of that poll was DJ over Brandon Knight, which was a very iconic dunk. Yeah, but I'm surprised that Jamal Crawford's between the legs did not get more votes on that. And I wish you could do more options because um, Blake also had that game against the Lakers where he dunked on Powell twice. Mm-hmm. So I wish you could add like a fifth option, um, you know, but. Yeah, that um, that 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 between the legs dunk to Blake. That whole sequence was just crazy. Like, that was a wild ass sequence, bro. Like, if you look at it, like it's like two K type stuff, man. Like, you yeah, don't see it often. 
I, I I personally like the Blake Griffin dunk over Perk, but I feel like that's more of a like a hindsight thing, simply because of how much of an idiot Perk has been on ESPN, <laughs> and uh, and uh, he always talks crap about the Clippers, and then eventually he'll say some nice things when the Clippers do well. But the minute something doesn't happen that goes the Clippers' way, Perk has to act like he's some uh, guru of basketball, and all he did was foul people in his NBA career. Uh, but the Blake Griffin dunk on Perk to me in hindsight was this very, very special dunk. Cause I feel like that's us basically shutting up the national media mm. 10 years later. Um, but yeah, um, you guys have any more thoughts, uh, with the Clippers and the off season so far, any more hot takes? I do got a slept on dunk. Um, I was at the Mozgov game. Okay. I was at that game. The one where he did a spin on Gallinari. So, like, he was on the fast break. Gallo is, like, you know, kind of, like, in front of him. And then, like, he, like, spun on Gallinari and just, like, threw it down. Bro, it was, like, the nuttiest thing I ever seen. <laughs> I went – I actually went to go see the Knicks that game. Because I was yeah. like, oh, Amari's in town. Like, I'm going to check this out. Amari was killing. Um, mm-hmm. But when he hit that that spin on Gallo and he just punched it, I think that's his first career high. Right? Blake's first career high. That might be. Um, but when he punched it on Mozgov, though, like, the, I mean, the stadium was empty, but, bro, he, he punched that thing. I, you kind of forget, unless you go back and watch highlights, how athletic Blake Griffin was. Box office, bro. Like, box office. Yeah. Crazy. Like, he slowed down in the last couple years of the Lob City run, especially for all his injuries, and then obviously on Detroit, and then obviously on the Nets, he's a lot slower. But, like, those first five or so years of Blake Crazy. Griffin Crazy, were something special to watch. Nuts. Like, even, like, to get on the break and just, like, push the tempo, it's, it, it was special to watch Blake, man. Like, it was he was special, bro. Like, I can't explain it. Like, it, it was a gift. And it's weird because, like, he has a brother. And, like, I guess Blake took all the athleticism from his brother, from, like, the family. <laughs> yeah. It was just, it's just all Blake. It's crazy. His brother was good in college too. Mm-hmm. His yeah. brother was good. I don't, I, I don't know what happened. His brother got the receiving hairline. His brother, <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, Taylor got, Taylor got everything cooked. Yeah. Nah. Uh, all right. Well, that was the LA Clips Forum. You can find our podcast where we find our podcasts. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at LA Clips Forum. We do do Twitter spaces. Jake, uh, like I said, you had a recent drop. Uh, you want to promote your stuff? Yeah, yeah. JakeBarnes.com. We're doing a Lob City shirt. It's like a memorial t-shirt. Um, literally like like a memorial t-shirt. You know, I, I don't know. But um, I hope you guys like it. We did some behind-the-scenes footage for it. Uh, we shot it with Brooke. Shout out, Brooke. Um, yeah, it was it was fun. And, uh, you know, hopefully you guys rock with me into next month. Next month we're doing MLB again. So, yeah. Oh. I, I yeah, hope there's I'm a hype. player. I hope yeah, there's I'm a player hype. or a team. I'm that... hype, bro. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Dama, do you have anything you want to promote or? Um, not at the moment. I got some stuff I'm working on. Um, it's coming soon. Um, just be on the lookout for any tweets come from me. But yeah, it's on the way. Coming soon. Wonderful, wonderful. Nice. And I and I want to thank everybody who could be doing anything with your time, but you're spending it with us. And uh. God, I'm people- sorry. I'm watching Blake highlights right now. <laughs> My God. Yeah, dude. I miss him. <laughs> I, w- I, I kind of wish he had the 15th spot, to be honest. 
but I guess Moses Brown's a better fit. Uh, and people who listened to the jingle but stayed for the pod, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for coming on and uh, for Jesse. And uh, yeah, thank, thank you, Trent, for the outro. And we're out. Peace, guys. Thank you for joining Brian Andrew and Jesse Sandoval for this episode of LA Clips Forum. For all the over and backs, loose balls, clear paths, and tip-ins, catch LA Clips Forum every week. The podcast for fans, by fans. Clipper Nation, we'll catch you on the rebound. Oh yeah.